Hallelujah. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about having a steadfast mind and um, how important, I mean, I, I know we hear it and we hear about how, you know, our, our mind and renewing our mind, but it really is an important thing. Um, and, and hopefully if you don't have that revelation already that after this morning you will receive that revelation of how important your thoughts are. Because we talk about how important our words are, right? We say what the words that we speak, they determine, you know, kind of the course. James tells us that the words that we speak out of our tongue, our tongue determines kind of where, which way, which direction our life goes. But you have to think first before you ever speak a word, you think the thought. And so it starts with the thought, and then you speak the word. So if our words are that important, then our, our thoughts are that much more important. Because at the thought stage is where we can control it. I mean, we can control our tongue too, but if the thought comes that it doesn't line up with the word of God, we can stop it. And we have got to get to the place that we can control our thoughts, that no matter, you know, whatever comes in to our thoughts, we can almost filter it with the word. Is this God's thought or is this man's thought? Is this my thought? Is this, you know, a thought that's of this world? And if we can get to the place that we filter it and we don't allow thoughts to stay that don't need to stay, we'll see our lives change. We will see them change. You know, our mind is the control center of our life. It, you will determine, your destiny can be determined by your thoughts. And, and thoughts, we all have them. Every single person in here from the youngest kid to, which is probably maybe Hunter, to the oldest person, which I don't know who that is, but uh, the youngest to the oldest, we all have thoughts every day, and we have a whole lot of them. And so they're not just empty, seamless things. They, are, they have a spiritual impact on us, and we need to treat them as that. If we want to walk in the fullness of the blessing of God that he has for us, then we have to control what we allow our minds to think. Amen? I mean, I think of Joshua 1.8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it both day and night. Meditate. What does meditate mean? It means to think about, to mull it over, to ponder it. So this book of the law should not depart from our mouth, but we shall meditate it on both day and night so that we will be careful to do all that is written in it, and then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. You make your way prosperous. You, have your, you, you create success in your life. You determine the destiny of your life. But how? But what, by what comes out of here, but what you meditate on. The thoughts that you think on. So that's how important these thoughts are. We can't just, you know, just dismiss something. No, we have to take every thought captive that doesn't line up with the word of God. And when you'll think the way God thinks then you'll see life differently. There'll be hope in every situation. If you ever come to a place in your life where you feel hopeless, like you feel like you can't go on, then I can guarantee you your thoughts are not lining up with God's thoughts. Because with God in every situation, there's hope. With God in every situation, it can change. And so we, you, it's a matter of realigning what you're thinking. And allowing God's word to penetrate your thoughts and to think on those things. And your life will change. You, you'll start to see a way out of that situation. You'll start to see that, you know, maybe I can do that. Maybe, maybe this is possible in my life when we change what we see. I think of Jonah. 
And, uh, you know, most of us know the story of Jonah and how he went. God called him and said, you know, you need to go to Nineveh. This is a wicked city, and I, I have a word for my people. And Jonah was a prophet. So what, was, what did he do? Jonah spoke the word, to the, the word of God to the people. And so God says, go to Nineveh. Well, Jonah had heard of this place before. He's like, uh, God, I think you got the wrong person. Um, they're dangerous. They're mean. They're, have you seen them? They worship fish. And so he's like, ah, oh, no, I don't think so. So, you know, Jonah goes the opposite direction. But God, you know, has a little bit of a lesson for him. And he learns through spending some time in the, in the fish and uh, realizes that uh, maybe he should do what God tells him to do. But actually, let's just turn there, Jonah 3. This is a tough one to start out this morning trying to find. So God go, or Jonah goes to the people and he tells them, you need to repent. Because if you don't repent in 40 days, God's going to wipe you out. I mean, that's a pretty harsh word, right? Like, I don't know about you, but if, if a man of God came here and said, if you don't repent in 40 days, uh, that's it. I think I'd be repenting. You know, but I also don't have a hard heart like these people did. <laughs> so it's a little bit different. Uh, but these people did repent. They repented, and then, I mean, I don't understand. Jonah is a good man. He's a man of God. Yeah, he made some mistakes. He didn't obey God immediately, but eventually he got around to it. He did. Um, but Jonah s says to the people, he goes and tells them that, and then this is what it says in, in chapter 3, verse 9. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we shall not perish. And then verse 10, when God saw their deeds, so when he saw the people of Nineveh, that they had turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. So God saw that they turned from their wicked way, and he said, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do what I was going to do. And he did not do it. Now look at Jonah's response. He said, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became very angry. The people repented, turned from their wicked ways, and Jonah's response is anger. He's upset. He's mad. I, like, I don't believe it, you know, kind of thing. But you know what? He is a prophet of God. He goes and he speaks the, what he hears God tell him to speak to the people, which he did. But then when he spoke to the people and told them what was going to happen in 40 days, God's going to kill y'all, basically, it didn't happen. So at this point in time, I believe Jonah started to think about his own reputation. Like, okay, God, like, come on, I'm a prophet. I got to, you know, I, I go around to these people. This is really bad for my reputation. When you tell me to speak a word to the people and then you don't do it, that, that doesn't look good for me. And he started to think about how this was going to affect him. He started to change his thinking. He wasn't thinking right. He started to think about what it would look like to man, about, you know, his pride got in the way. Because, he, he, you know, he was proud in the sense that, wait a second, I said this and it didn't happen. And, you know, but if we look at it, we think, but that doesn't make sense. The people repented. Like, that's the goal, right? You really do want the people to repent. And Jonah was upset, and he was angry. And 
you know, he prayed to God, and he, I mean, he was upset. And so what a, he went off to the edge of the city, basically, to watch the people. And uh, he says in verse 3, he says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for death. This is a prophet of God. This is a man who, who speaks the word of God, who hears God and speaks God's word. And yet this is his response when something doesn't go the way he thinks it ought to go. He allows his thoughts to all of a sudden it's looking hopeless to him. It's looking like, oh no, how am I ever going to be a prophet in this part of the world again? People are going to go, oh yeah, that Joan, I heard of him. He's the one that said this and it never happened. That's what he started to think. And he took it to the point that he says, God, just kill me. It would be better if I was just dead. Like, just, that's it. For it is better to me than, de- than life. Death is better to him than life at this point in time. He's feeling a little bit hopeless. And the Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? God had to ask him, do you have a good reason to be angry like you are? God has to ask us if we're angry. I'm guessing we probably are. <laughs> Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. Then there he made a shelter for himself and he sat down in it, in, sorry, it, in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant to grow up and over Jonah to be a shade over his head and to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about this plant. I'm not quite getting it. He's extremely disappointed and angry with the people for repenting and turning from their wicked ways. But yet God, he goes and he sits on the edge of the city in the hot shit, in the hot summer or whatever time of the season it was. But it's hot. And God kind of has pity on the guy and causes this big plant to grow to cover him with shade. I mean, a supernatural grow this plant in a matter of minutes so that Jonah has some shade. And now Jonah is like extremely happy about this plant. <laughs> but then... But God appointed a worm when the dawn came the next day. And it attacked the plant, and it, and, it, um, and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind, and the, the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all of his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. He's gone from extreme anger to extreme happy back to, I just want to die. Then God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? (laughs) This just makes me laugh. And he said, I have a good reason to be angry even to death. (laughs) You see how his thinking is just not right. I mean, he's a man of God, but he has allowed some thoughts to come in. And those thoughts have distorted what what is right. That's what deceived is, right? It's, it's knowing, you know, it's like just twisting the truth a little bit and being deceived. And then, um, then in verse 10, then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and it perished overnight. And shall I not have compassion on Nineveh? So God's speaking, I'm saying, you had compassion on a plant. This plant you had nothing to do with. You didn't make this plant. You didn't cause this plant to grow. You didn't do anything for this plant. And you had compassion on it. 
And yet you got angry with me because I had compassion on the people of God or the people who repented and turned from their wicked ways. The great city in which there were more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand. He's referring to young children as well as many animals. So Jonah's thoughts were just not quite in line with God. And, he, and because of it, he just, he lost hope. He, he started to see things differently. And it wasn't that he was a bad man. It wasn't that he was evil. Do you see that this can happen to us? That our thoughts, if we're not careful to control what we think, we can turn a situation that could be a really good situation that God can get total glory in to a situation where we feel like we want to die. Thoughts are important. The devil wants you to think outside this world. word. He wants you to think outside of it. Because if you'll think outside of this word, then he can gain access to your life. And that's what he wants. He wants access to your life. And he is going to, most of the time, try doing it through your thoughts. Joyce Meyer wrote a book, a series, on the, the battlefield of the mind. It is a battlefield. Our mind is a field where there is a war. There is a war that the, the enemy, the devil, is trying to, to take over your thought life. But God, at the same time, has the answer. And it's our choice. It is our choice as to what we choose. And, you know, God says, choose life. Choose life. And, God, and the devil tries to deceive us. That's, that's his biggest way is just twisting just a little bit. You know, because a lot of us are word people. We go to the word church. We know the word. But you know what? We can still be deceived if we're not careful because the enemy can twist it just, eno- just enough to, start us to, to make us start to believe it. You know, th- I think of Eve. Actually, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and this talks about the enemy and, and Eve, the serpent and Eve. And the Apostle Paul here, he says, But I am afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Paul had a, he, he, he had a concern for the people. This isn't, this isn't worldly people. This is the people in the church. These are Christians. And, and Paul, he said, I have a concern. I'm a little bit concerned i'm a little bit afraid because the enemy is very deceptive and he will manipulate things to just just enough to make us believe something is true when it's not and to so that we'll start thinking on it and if we'll think on it those thoughts are like seeds and if we'll think on it long enough that seed gets down in our heart and when it gets down in our heart it can create a really huge stronghold in our lives And so that's why it's important that we don't even let it get that far. But but Satan, he deceived Eve. In fact, let's go look at it in Genesis chapter 3, I believe. Genesis 
in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. So she knew what God had said. I find it interesting because if you look back in uh, verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Eve wasn't even created at this point in time. It was just Adam. And God had spoken to Adam and told him, This is what you can, and you know, you can eat of these trees, but this one you cannot eat of. It says in verse 17 of chapter 2, But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you shall eat of it you will surely die. We go back into chapter 3 where, we said, where it says, And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. God didn't say they couldn't touch it. We just read it. He said, you can't eat of it. But Eve added that in there. She said, you can't eat of it and you can't touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely shall not die. So he's starting to make her doubt. He's starting to cause her to have some thoughts. Hmm. God said that we'll die if we eat from that tree. And then, the, you know, that the enemy comes you're not going to really die. God didn't mean you're going to die if you eat that tree. And he starts to create a little bit of doubt in there that what God said really was true. And Eve starts to, he, she starts to meditate on it. She starts to think of it. And the serpent continues and says, For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. See, this is where it gets a little bit more, Right? He's saying, yeah, God said your eyes will be open, but it's not to be more like God. Your eyes will be open to good and evil. Your eyes will be open to what the curse is. And the, and Satan, the serpent said, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So see how the, the enemy just twisted it a little bit. He had some of it the same, but he took part of it and twisted it so that it wasn't truth. He deceived Eve. And she believed it. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and ate. And he ate. And both of their eyes were opened. But it wasn't to, there wasn't, their eyes weren't open to like, you will be like God. Notice that you will be like God. That's what, that's what Satan was looking for. That's what caused him to fall from heaven. He wanted to be like God. And he used that same thing to try to, to, he didn't try, he did. He used the same thing to deceive Eve. That she was like God. So we have to be careful, like Apostle Paul said, that our, our minds are not led astray from our devotion to God. Let's go to second, back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And probably most of you here have heard this scripture many of time. But verse 5, I mean, if, if we think of thoughts, we have to read this verse. 
If you talk about your mind, you have to read this verse. Because this is, this is key. This is key to controlling your mind and controlling the thoughts that you have. Verse 5, we are not we sorry, we are destroying speculations. That word speculations means imaginations, thoughts, reasonings. You know, how many times do we try to reason something out? But sometimes that reasoning is not God's thinking. It's man's thinking. It's it's the human nature. But God says here, we have to destroy those. So sometimes we have to destroy reasoning that doesn't line up with God. Not always. We always have to destroy reasoning that doesn't line up with God's word. So we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing, every barrier, every high place that raises it, raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive. Every thought. The Apostle Paul here didn't just say uh, the, the thoughts you want to. You know, maybe one or two. Maybe, you know, find one or two thoughts to take captive in a day. No. He's saying every thought we are taking captive to the obedience or the submission of God. So we have to learn to judge every thought. Is this thought of God or is this of, my, you know, my human nature thought? Is this a thought that's from the enemy? And if we'll get to that place that we'll practice that in our lives, we will see a change in our lives. We will see a difference from where we are now. Because each one of us, where we're now in our lives, is, is a product of the thoughts that you've had. So strongholds can be built in our mind if we don't take those thoughts captive. And we can't just cast down, you know, it says we got to, you know, destroying speculations. Another translation says, cast down every imagination. We can't just go, oh, I cast that thought down and then move on. No, you have to replace that thought with something else. You can't just say, oh, that's a bad thought. I cast that down and go on. No, you've got to say, I cast that thought down and here's the kind of thought I need to think according to the word of God. So you have to know what God says about that situation. And if you don't know, we got a good reference book right here to find it out. He'll tell you what to think in that situation. And so we have to continually cast down or pull down thoughts that don't line up with God. But we don't just leave it like that. We replace them with God's thoughts. And we have to renew our minds daily. How many times have we heard that? I mean, we've heard that over and over and over how often do we do it? Renewing our minds, making them new again. It's not just something, you know, when we, you come here and you're sitting in this service and we're in the presence of God and through praise and worship and then the preaching of the word, you're renewing your mind right now. You have the, because you're sitting under, it's like the washing of the water of the word. Your mind's being washed with this word this morning. And if you'll receive it, your mind will be renewed and it'll be changed. Romans chapter 12. We could probably all quote this one. Any of us that have been here for any length of time. Anita, can you pull this up in the New Living Translation as well, please? It says, and do not be conformed to this world. 
How many times have you heard that? Don't be like this world because you are not of this world. You are, you are not made to fit in this world. We are not to be, we're not to fashion ourselves alike this world. But be transformed. That word transformed just means changed. How does it say we're changed? How do we change? By the renewing of our mind. Now, when you got born again, your spirit changed. And your spirit is changed forever. That's, there's no doubt about that. But our minds were not changed. When we get born again, our spirit's renewed, but our minds are not renewed. So that's where we have to, that's where we come into play and we start renewing our minds. And it is a work in progress sometimes. Sometimes it takes time to, to cast down all of those thoughts that we've allowed ourselves to think for years. But if we'll continue to do it, we'll continue to pull down those thoughts, we'll continue to break those strongholds in our mind, then we'll see a change. So, but, so it says, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In the New Living Translation, it says this. I loved the way it said it. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's pretty straightforward. I think we can all understand that. Do you think when, when God says, don't do something, do you think he means it? I think he probably does. I think he's probably telling us, don't be like the world. Don't copy their behavior. Don't copy the customs that they have. There might be traditions that you have in your life, but if they don't line up with God's word, then get rid of them. They're not worth having because they will, they will form strongholds in your life. And those strongholds take a lot of work sometimes to get rid of. So don't even start to build a stronghold when it comes, ag when it comes against what God's telling us to do. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You can be changed into a new person by changing what you think. You can become, if you don't like who you are, you can become a different person by simply by doing one thing, changing how you think, changing the thoughts that you allow yourself to have. But listen to the next part. This is what I really liked. Once you've let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, so how do we do that? Well, God gives us the thoughts. We receive them. We put them into practice. We speak them. We do them pretty straightforward. God tells us what to do. He has his word. He speaks to us through a still small voice. He'll have people speak into our lives. And if we'll listen to those and we'll, we'll allow those to be our thoughts, then it'll change us into a new person. And then you will learn to know God's will for you. How many of you want to know God's will? I think all of us in here want to know God's will for us. What does it say? What's a key here? What's a connection to knowing God's will? Changing the way we think. If we will change the way we think, we will know God's will for our lives. That's pretty powerful. That, that means our thoughts are very powerful. Because if I will allow my thoughts to line up with God, I will know God's thoughts, and I will know his plan for my life. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, 
which is good and pleasing and perfect. Each one of you can know God's perfect plan for your life. You can know God's perfect will for you by changing the way you think. Sounds simple. Unfortunately, it's not quite so simple all the time, especially if we, you know, have a lot of things that we, a lot of thoughts that we have to change. But uh, it is well worth it. It is well worth to take the effort and the discipline to, to control your thoughts to be able to know God's perfect will and to be able to walk out that perfect plan and perfect will that he has for your life. Just like Joshua 1.8 said that I quoted, you, not, not this word, depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and no, night so that you will be careful to do all that is written in it and then you will make your way prosperous and you will have great success. That's, that's God's perfect plan for you. God's perfect will is for you to have a prosperous way and for you to have success in this life. The thoughts what we meditate, what we think on, are very important. You know, this world is full of contamination. You know, we're, we're, and we're, you know, we're not of this world, but we are in it. So we go out in the world, and, and you know, it, it just from being in it, our minds can get contaminated. But that's where we have to take due diligence to, to cleanse our minds. You know, sometimes we've heard the term brainwashing, right? Oh, those people are brainwashing you. Well, you know, to, be wa- our br- to have our minds washed with the water of the word, some of us re- need a real good scrubbing in our brains, amen? You know, we, we do. Let's be honest. We, there's some thoughts and some, th- some thoughts that we sometimes have that don't line up with God's word. And I'm not just talking about, you know, oh, that's a bad thought. I'm talking about any thought that doesn't line up with the word of God. So if it's a thought that is fearful or it's based out of fear or it's based on a doubt, that doesn't line up with God's word. And that kind of thought needs to be cast down. It needs to be eliminated from our thought process. So we do need a good brain scrubbing sometimes, every day. Every day we need to scrub our minds with the word of God. So that they're cleansed. And when we do, we will know God's perfect will for our lives. That that is good news. To know that if I'll just take that time to do that, that I can know God's perfect will. And I know there's people in here that say, man, sometimes I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know how to do this. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. Renew your mind. Change the way you think according to God's word, and you'll know it. You'll know what God has for you to do. So we have to set our minds on the word, but sometimes we set them on other things. Romans 8 tells us, just back a couple chapters here. Verse 6. For the mind set on the flesh, that word flesh means human nature. So our mind set on human nature or flesh is death. It brings death into our lives. But this is good. But the mind set on the spirit, when we set our mind on the things of God, is life 
and peace. Life and peace. If we're not experiencing an ever-increasing flow of life and peace in our lives, then we are not thinking on the right things. We are allowing at some point and some place in our minds for thoughts to creep in that ought not to be there, that don't line up with God's word. So, and, you know, we've either been listening to something or thinking on something, watching something, speaking something that's just not right. But if we'll change that, if we'll set our mind on things above, Colossians tells us to set our minds on things above and not on the things on, things on the earth. Things of, of, you know, this earth that fade away. Those aren't what we're supposed to think on. But think on the things of God. These things, if we do, we will have, a, and it, we'll have life. We'll have peace. That's a good thing. To have life in every situation. To have peace in every situation. You don't have to turn there, but Philippians 4.8, this tells us what to think on. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell or think on these things. So if there's something in your life that's not true, it's not honorable, it's not right, it's not pure, it's not lovely, it's not of good repute, if it's not of excellence, then don't think on it. This is something we can practice. We can practice this every day, and not even just once a day. We have many opportunities to practice this every day. This is a good thing <laughs> that we can practice it. What we think on, we can have peace. We can have peace of mind. In any situation, your world could be falling down around you. There could be a hurricane around you. But you can have peace in that situation. It is possible. Don't let anyone tell you that it's not. Don't let the world tell you that you have to go through certain things when certain things happen. Because you don't have to. With God, you don't have to. There is life and there is peace. You know, how do we, you know, a lot of those things that when we put ourselves through stuff, it begins with the thought that we think. And if we'll immediately go, oh, wait, you know, you start to doubt, oh, man, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill. Man, look at that bank account. It's starting to look pretty low. And, oh, man, I don't, I just, oh, that. Immediately, those thoughts need to go. And immediately you have to pull them down. You have to cast them out. Remember, you don't just cast those negative thoughts down, but you replace it with what God says. God says he'll supply every need I have. God says that if I give, that it'll be given back unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give in to my lap. That's what God says about that situation. So if I immediately take that thought and I turn it to what God says about it, all of a sudden it looks different. It doesn't look hopeless anymore, like I can't pay that bill. It likes, looks like, okay, you know what? God's on my side. God's coming to help me. God's my helper. He's my sustainer. He'll take care of me. But you know, the enemy presses in hard. 
We all know this. We have all experienced this where the enemy presses in hard to, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, right, okay, I'm not supposed to think that thought. Okay, God's my provider. God, oh, but man, how's that bill going to get paid? No, God is, you know, he's the sustainer of my life. Sometimes you, it's, it's a war. It's a battle. But if you won't give up and you won't grow weary in fighting that battle, you will win. You will come out on top. So you got to stick with it. Don't give up. And, you know, it might look funny to your coworker as you're sitting next to them at work when you're like, you know, it's obvious you're having this battle of something in your thought. But if you got to speak it out loud, then start speaking it out loud. No, devil, I will not take that thought. That thought is not of God. I refuse it. I refuse to think on that anymore. It is not going to plant a seed in my heart, and it's not going to grow. This is what I'm going to think on and start thinking on what God says. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 26. I love this scripture. Verse 3. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. When we have a steadfast mind, we are in perfect peace. Because we trust in God. Having a steadfast mind. That word steadfast, I looked it up. In the Hebrew, it means to lean on, to lay to rest, to support, uphold, to sustain, refresh. So when our mind, it's like leaning on God, relying on him, you know, allowing him to uphold us, allowing him to refresh us. You know, times of refreshing, Acts tells us, comes from the presence of God. Just getting into his presence causes us to have a steadfast mind. Reading his word, having a steadfast mind, renewing our minds, causes our minds to be steadfast, not easily changed. And when we will have that, he says that he will keep our minds in perfect peace. Perfect peace. That word peace means shalom. And uh, most of you have heard this before, but the word shalom, according to Strong's Concordance, this is what it means. Listen to it because it's good. This is something you want. You want this every part of your day. Shalom means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitated or discord, agitation or discord. Nothing missing, I'm adding this one because this is something that I've heard and we've been taught, right? Nothing missing, nothing broken. A mind that is steadfast, a mind who has been re- that has been renewed with the word of God can have perfect peace every time. If I keep my mind steadfast, I can have completeness, I can have wholeness, I can have health, I can have peace. I can have welfare, I can have safety, I can have tranquility, 
I can have prosperity. I can have perfectness. I can have fullness. I can have rest. I can have harmony. I can live without any discord in my life. I can live with nothing missing and nothing broken. With a steadfast mind. The result of a steadfast mind is perfect peace. And that's not just peace like, you know, because like, I just read to you what it means, that word peace. But a lot of times we just think, oh, you know, I don't have to be fearful. It can be calm and relaxing. But it's so much more than that. If you need health, then get a steadfast mind. If you need prosperity, then steadfast mind. Whatever you need, I think pretty much anything that we ever could need in here, safety, tranquility, health, wholeness, we read. Having a steadfast mind, controlling the thoughts that we think, uh, and having them line up with the word of God. And as I do that, I will walk in an increasing flow of life and peace in my life. James 1, verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded means of two minds. Of two minds. Having two contrary minds is double-mindedness. And, and James says, if, our, if we have two minds that are contrary, and I'm not talking about, you know, weird stuff. I'm just talking about two different thoughts, right? If you have two different thoughts, you think one one way, you know, I think, yeah, I can do it, and then doubt creeps in, that's, having, that's being double-minded. And it says, a double-minded man is unstable. Unstable, not steadfast. There is no steadfast there. There is no peace in double-mindedness. And the enemy knows that. Satan knows that if he can get you to be double-minded about any situation, that he can cause you to be unsettled and unsteady. And, and, and unstable, sorry. And so the most dangerous thing to, to Satan is a focused, single-minded Christian. If you can have a single-minded, focused, steadfast, sorry, single and steadfast mind, you are a threat to the enemy. You are a threat to him because, because you will do what God called you to do. You will walk in the fullness of God's blessing. So two minds. We can't go around in our life. We can't go around hesitating on, oh, man, is this, you know, should I do this? Or maybe I should do this. Or maybe this is the right thing to do. Or maybe this. If that's how we are, we're double-minded. And earlier in, the, in, chapter, in verse 7 of that chapter, it says that let not a double-minded mind, or a double-minded mind, <laughs> double-minded man, let him not think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. We don't receive God's fullness when we have two minds. We need to have a focused single mind. Focused on one thing, God. You know, I think of Peter, and, uh, you know, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus came to his disciples and, and said, okay, you know, some things are going to happen to me, and, and I'm going to be eventually put to death, and, but th this is going to happen. This is all right. You know, this is, this is God's plan. Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. 
and says, oh, I don't think so. This isn't, what, this isn't God's plan. And remember what Jesus said to Peter? He says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. For, and then he goes on to say, you have not set your mind on God's interests, but man's. He says, get behind me, Satan. You've become a stumbling block to me, he says. And then he says, you have not put your, he said, you have not set your mind on God's interests, but man's. And, and you know, this is Peter. Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples. And yet he still at times allowed his thoughts to be contrary to God. Even when Peter, with everything within him, thought he was thinking right. But he had been deceived. And Jesus rebuked him openly, saying, Get behind me, Satan. You are causing me, you're, you're being a stumbling block to me. In other words, you need to get your thoughts lined up with God. Stop thinking earthly. Stop thinking fleshly. And think what God, you know, think I just told you what God's will was. You've got to line up your thinking with that. And Peter, he came around. <laughs> he came around. Took him a little bit of time, though. So this morning, I just wanted to encourage you to control your thoughts. Practice, practice not allowing just any thought to go through your mind. And if you'll do that, you will change your life. You will change your destiny. Amen? Because God has good things. He has good things for each one of us. He has a great plan for each one of you. But it's not just going to automatically happen because God said it's going to happen. Because we each have, there is an enemy. And John 10.10 10 tells us the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job, and he does it pretty well. And some people let him do it pretty well in their lives. But you know what? God says, that Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Jesus came to give us the abundant life. We can walk in that life. We know what, we know what to do. We've heard it this morning. We've heard it many times before, what to do. And the Bible says that we're to be aware of the schemes and the devices of the enemy. You have to know what the enemy tries to do. And I'm telling you this morning, one of the biggest things that he tries to do is to deceive you in your mind. He, he comes and he tries to create doubt and disbelief in your mind. And if you'll take those thoughts and you'll allow those thoughts to plant a seed in your heart, then that will become a stronghold that will, in times in your life, you will have a hard time receiving from God. You won't walk in the fullness of life, and you will not have that peace, that shalom peace that each one of us can walk in. Changing the way we think. And just like we read, that if we change, in the New Living Translation, it said if we change the way we think, then we will know, then we will know God's perfect will. We'll know it. We'll walk in it. His perfect will for our lives. And if each one of us, just each one of us in this room, walked out the perfect will that God had for us, man, this city would be different. This city would not even look the same as it looks now. 
because each one of us would be doing exactly what God calls us to do. And I'm not saying we're not doing what God's calling us to do. Please don't get me wrong, because we are. But I think each one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, there's room for improvement. There's room to, to become more focused on what God says, you know, in, in whatever area of your life, in relationships, in marriage, whatever, you know, in, in finances, in health. All of these things become one-minded with God thinking on his thought, thinking his thoughts. And don't let the enemy deceive you. Don't let him cause you to think something that you know, you know, isn't right. And, and don't be like Eve. I mean, Eve knew what God had said. He knew what God said about that tree. Or sorry, she knew what God said about that tree. But the enemy was able, because he's very crafty, he was able to twist it just a little bit to get her to believe it. And, and don't be deceived to think that the enemy will not try that with you. Because if he'll do it with Eve, he'll do it with us. Because you know what? His schemes, his devices, his techniques have not changed. He's not that great. He, you know, he, he, he's not that powerful. He has the same things that he tries ov- over and over. And, and so we just have to be aware of it. Go, oh, I, you know what? And I do this in my life. There's certain things I know. There are certain thoughts I can start thinking, and I know if I start thinking on that thought, I'm heading down a road I do not like to be on in about a day. And so I, I've gotten a little bit smarter now. That, th- that thought comes, and I might not catch it the first time, but I try not to get down that road a day. A- and I take that thought captive and go, oh, no, I know where this, road, this thought takes me. And because you know what? He does it. It's the same thing every time. And you can probably say the same thing in your life. It's certain thoughts or whatever every time that it's the same. It's almost like it's it's almost like, oh, that's a weak point. But you know what? If you guard it, we guard our minds. We have to guard our minds with the peace of God. We guard our minds. We have to protect them. You know, it says to protect our heart, but we have to also protect our minds from what the world continues to bombard us with. Protect these very precious thoughts that we have that can change our lives. Amen.